have two things to do on the TreeCast today. Number one, we're going to go inside the trenches with Stanford football. And number two, we're going to separate hype from fact. A couple things I want to address in that area as well. Those are the two big things we are going to accomplish on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Friday, September 28th, 2018. Thank you for spending part of it with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity and looking to get it on once again. Stanford football versus Notre Dame in South Bend. Number seven Cardinal, number eight Fighting Irish. This is going to be another outstanding matchup. It just seems like Stanford just keeps falling into the big time college football matchups with national implications. Another one on the line this week and we're going to dive into it a bit deeper here on the TreeCast. We'll have some help as we'll go inside the trenches later on to the program with fifth-year senior and veteran of the Stanford offensive line, center Jesse Burkett. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on uh, the Fighting Irish and uh, what it takes to be an offensive lineman for Stanford. It takes a little bit more than it does for your everyday average college football squad. So Jesse Burkett is uh, going to join us coming up in just a few minutes. At Troy Clarity on Twitter, that's the way to go. If you would like to follow me, I would certainly appreciate that and uh, would not uh, turn down uh, your followage. Is that a word? Eh, It is now. Uh, Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. That's the best way to have your thoughts heard. I'd like to be as interactive as I possibly can uh, on these shows. Uh, so if you've got thoughts on Stanford football, you've got thoughts on the program, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that uh, I will see your thoughts. And hey, if they're good enough, if they're, if they're intriguing enough, they may even be addressed on the next edition of the TreeCast. Troy Clarity here, 26th year following Stanford football. Not in South Bend right now. The team is as uh, they landed in the Michiana area, the 574 area code. Uh, The team arrived safely uh, at South Bend uh, Regional Airport on uh, Thursday evening. I'm assuming they were staying in Michigan City, Indiana again. Kind of a weird road trip in that respect. But uh, the team arrived on Thursday evening. I'm here back in the Bay Area. Pac-12 Network Soccer Duty has my attention this weekend. Looking forward to being on the call for a a fantastic uh, doubleheader coming up uh, at Stanford on Sunday. Number one Stanford versus number two USC. I can't wait to bring that game to you on the Pac-12 Network on Sunday afternoon. I also cannot wait to sit down on my couch and check out number seven Stanford versus number eight Notre Dame in college football. And, you know, as as is always the case, whenever Notre Dame is involved, there's a lot of hype surrounding this matchup. Even more so than usual, because... This is the biggest matchup in Stanford-Notre Dame history. Both top 10 teams going at it. Both undefeated teams going at it. Big-time implications on the line. That's not all hype. That's fact. That is fact. However, there are a couple of areas where I think we need to truly separate the hype from the fact in this matchup. Number one, just how good is Notre Dame? Really? 
Just how good are they? I, as usual, there's, there's plenty of hype with Notre Dame football. They are number eight. Irish fans want to so badly claim that Notre Dame is back. They're all excited about this week's matchup, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. They should be. But how good is this team for real? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they, they beat Michigan 24-17. In rather, rather impressive fashion, Michigan, if I remember correctly, uh, had to kind of make some moves to get back into that game and make that final score closer uh, than the game actually was. So the Fighting Irish got their season off to a pretty good start by beating Michigan. But then lackluster wins over Ball State and Vanderbilt, both of those games at home, by the way, changed up their quarterback from Brandon Wimbush, sent him to the bench, and uh, brought in Ian Book. And their offense reached a new gear at Wake Forest, their first road trip of the year, as they put up 56 points on the Demon Deacons, winning that one very easily, 56-27. But a lot of me says, it's Wake Forest. Wake Forest isn't exactly the, the, the shining beacon of college football and, and not necessarily a team that which you measure uh, your own talent against, especially if you're a program like Notre Dame. So it's hard for me to conclusively say that Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country at this point because of those lackluster wins at home over Ball State and Vanderbilt. And yeah, they, 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 they you know, boat race Wake Forest on the road. Okay, great. Good for them. That's what they should do. That's what they should do. So I think Notre Dame football is more hype at this point. Do they have good players? Bet your sweet bippy they do. They certainly do. I'm a big fan of Julian Love. No relation to Bryce. Julian Love, a very fine cornerback for Notre Dame. Big fan of his. Like what he brings. And as mentioned, Ian Book has brought some, some different things and a bit more cohesion, perhaps, and a bit more efficiency, perhaps, to the Notre Dame offense that they might not have been getting with Wimbush. They have good players. This is a good, this is, they have good talent. They should. It's Notre Dame after all. But I am still not sure if that talent translates into a team. A team that is worthy of, of competing and potentially being in the football playoff conversation at the end of the week. I don't know about that yet. I just don't know at this point. Quite honestly, I find myself putting Notre Dame in the same boat that I was putting Oregon in this time last week. Because I didn't think Oregon was as good as people were making them out to be. That said, I thought Oregon had enough to beat Stanford at home. And they almost did. And I think the same situation applies again this week. I don't think Notre Dame is as good as the pollsters make them out to be, but I think they have enough to beat Stanford at home. They could certainly make it a long plane ride back to, back to the Bay Area for the Cardinal on Saturday night. That's possible. That's quite possible, I think. But overall, I think Notre Dame is, is a bit overhyped to this point.
Number two, saw some comments from Brian Kelly, Notre Dame's head coach, that he made on a national radio show earlier this week when he was asked to compare Notre Dame and Stanford. Now, paraphrase here, but basically Brian Kelly said that Stanford's had a pretty good run over the last 10 years. Notre Dame has had an outstanding run with national championships over the last 90 years. And some people have taken that as a hot take against Stanford, a swipe at the Cardinal, a diss on Stanford, maybe even sometimes a subtle jab at Stanford. Brian Kelly's statement is fact. It's fact. I don't think there's any hype there. I don't think that's a hot take at all. It's fact. No program in college football has more history than Notre Dame. No one. USC probably comes close. But no one else matches the history that Notre Dame has in college football. No one else. No one else. And yeah, over the 90 years, their run in this sport is unmatched by anyone. But over the last 10 years, Stanford's run's been better than Notre Dame. It's better than Notre Dame's has been. As much as fighting Irish fans might not like to admit that. But overall, grand scheme of things, I thought Brian Kelly's statement was, was fact. And look, there, there's so much hype we, we, live in, we live surrounded by hype in this day and age, not just in sports. It's so difficult sometimes, but it's a truly necessary exercise to separate hype from fact. Brian Kelly's statement was fact there. It was. So I just wanted to spend a couple moments here um, doing just that, separating hype from fact, because let's face it, Notre Dame is almost always overrated just because of who they are and what they have done over the past 90 years. To imagine, it might sound strange to, to say this, but Notre Dame has earned the right to be overrated. They've earned it. They've earned it. But the beauty of it all, in a sense, in a weird kind of way, is that when you beat Notre Dame, you become overrated as a result as well. More people pay attention to you when you beat Notre Dame. Because a lot of people still associate today's Fighting Irish with the greatness of the Fighting Irish teams of old and go, well, if they beat Notre Dame, then they must be pretty good. That's just how it works in college football. You know, this isn't, you know, some people might try to make this a hot take. No, I'm just spitting the truth. I'm just speaking fact here. Notre Dame is overrated. But there are perks and rewards to beating Notre Dame as a result. And the perks here for Stanford with the win over the Fighting Irish are legitimate conversation in the college football playoff, at least as we enter October. Ratings, obviously, the rankings, rather, don't obviously come out until later on in October, but it's a good spot to be. And I don't care what David Shaw says. If Stanford wins on Saturday, that is going to be a byproduct of that. Stanford will be in the playoff conversation. So, hype and fact. Hype and fact. 
one program that's, that's driven by hype and another program that is a bit more fact-based than most other college football programs in the country. Those two teams are going to be squaring off in South Bend on Saturday evening. And as mentioned, Notre Dame's a good team. They're good. They're good. They got players. They got South Bend. That place is going to be rocking. God, I wish I could be there. That place is going to be absolutely rocking. But just how good are they? I don't know. By the way, you could also apply some of these same questions to Stanford, too. Just how good are the Cardinal? <laughs> I mean, they didn't exactly beat Oregon convincingly. There is that. But much like last week, while I recognize that Notre Dame has a pretty good collection of players, and I recognize that, that those collection of players are potentially enough to beat Stanford, with the Cardinal on the road visiting their place. I also think Stanford's a better team at this point. Better team right now. We'll see. We'll see. Can't wait. Big test for the Cardinal. As the offensive line tries to continue to build on what it was able to accomplish and establish throughout most of the game last week in Eugene, but specifically in the second half when run, when run block, blocking improved and pass protection was actually good for the most part throughout much of the game last week. One young man is going to help spearhead the charge for the Cardinal in that respect. A veteran of the Cardinal offensive line, fifth-year senior Jesse Burkett. And before the team left for South Bend, I caught up with Jesse and got some of his thoughts on the game ahead, the game last week, and just what it takes to be an offensive lineman for Stanford with this system being what it is. Our TreeCast chat with Jesse Burkett. Was there a moment in that game, or, or what was the moment in that game where we looked at each other and kind of looked around and said, hey, we, we might have the Ducks right where we want I mean, I think it all comes back to uh, Joey's you know, fumble recovery for a touchdown. That really just turned the whole sideline around. And it was such an exciting moment. Um, and it, I mean, it put us back in the game. Certainly did. And from there, everything seemed to stabilize. And offensive line, it's always interesting watching those guys work and watching to see uh, what, what, what you guys do. Overall, from the offensive line standpoint, how do you think it went as the game went along against the Ducks? Um, yeah, so... I mean, initially we still struggled in the run game, especially in the first half. Uh, I think getting A.T. Hall back in there helped us out a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, we just got a lot to improve on. Uh, we got to keep protecting the passer well um, and just get better in the run game. Take me through some of the responsibilities that you have as the center. You get to touch the ball, that's pretty cool, but you also get to make uh, some of the calls and some of the other things that, that, that try to help make the offensive line go. What are some of the things that are going through, going through your head uh, from the time the, the play is called in the huddle to the, to the snap of the ball? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of responsible for you know, making the initial either mic point or uh, protection call to tell the rest of the line, you know, where to direct their, either their run combos or where to direct the slide. Um, 
and then I'm always listening for KJ to either make adjustments to that protection call or, you know, to get to the next play because uh, we always go up to the line with two or three plays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, you guys next to me got to do a great job cu- communicating, uh, especially in a loud environment like we had last week and we'll have the next few weeks. Yeah, it's always interested me because obviously the Stanford quarterback, as you just hinted at, has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, having two or three different plays to call in the huddle. But what sort of extra uh, variables is that place on your plate when two or three different players are being called uh, in the huddle? Yeah, I mean, it definitely took some getting used to. Um, you know, being my fifth year here, I've grown pretty comfortable in the offense, I feel like. Um, but yeah, the quarterbacks have a lot on their plate, and KJ's doing a great job with it. Um, yeah, he's always improving on that, and it's tough, but it makes our offense, it's what makes our offense good, I feel like. One of the more unique ones, I guess, in a sense, in, in all of college football. Uh, you had a 27-game starting streak uh, up until last year, was snapped uh, earlier this year. You were banged up, obviously, during the spring, but able to come back and, uh, and make your presence felt almost right away. Uh, how, what was the, the, the process like for you this overall spring, having to sit and watch and kind of wait a little bit? What was the spring like for you, and how did it feel to finally get back out there a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, it was... It was very difficult for me to, you know, be on the sidelines for those first couple games. It's just frustrating when you have an injury that just isn't quite ready yet. Um, but I mean, the strength staff and the athletic training staff did a fantastic job, you know, helping me through that process and finally getting me back out there. And it's so good to be back. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, injuries have been a subplot for the offensive line. Didn't know if A.T. Hall was going to play until until game time, and he, and, and he came in, in the, on, third, on the third down play, on the first third down play, right. didn't play that much in the first half, but then came back in the second half as well. Devery Hamilton's been in and out, mm-hmm. Foster Sorrell. Uh, injuries have been a part of the subplot for the offensive line room. Uh, how has that kind of affected things uh, for you guys throughout the course of the season? Yeah, I mean, injuries are always frustrating, uh, but, you know, they happen. Uh, we play a violent game, so, you know, all the guys who were striking string, they got to be ready to step in at any moment, and I think they've done a uh, great job handling that. I mean, Drew Dahlman stepping in for me the first couple games and, you know, playing guard a little bit last game. Um, Yeah, I think we've been doing a good job, but just got to keep it up and keep improving. I've always been fascinated by the offensive line because it seems like, you know, as, as all, all five guys have to function as a unit on every single play. Take us inside this offensive line room. Who are some of the personalities? What are the guys like on and off the field? What's it, what's it like being a part uh, of, of this latest edition of the Tunnel Workers Union? Sure. Um, I mean, it's great to be out there with AT and Brandon Fanica. You know, they've been here with me since, I mean, we all arrived here at the same time. So it's, it's great to play with those guys who you've really, you know, bonded with over the years. Um, and then we got a couple young guys in, uh, I mean, I guess Nate's, a junior now, but you know, he's it's his third year starting. Uh, he started out, you know, starting also my first year starting, so I always kind of think of him as a young guy. But uh, and then Walker Little, uh, and I mean, those two guys obviously very talented players, and it's just been a lot of fun playing with them. This is an interesting week not just because of what's happening on Saturday, we'll get your thoughts on that here in a moment or so, but. 
Quarter system, Stanford's on. Classes finally firing up earlier this week. Uh, how does that change for you? You're a veteran in this program. You've been through it before. And uh, what's on your uh, what's on your schedule uh, this 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 fall this fall quarter? Yeah, uh, so it's something Coach Shaw and Coach Carberry have, you know, really advised us to really separate our school life and our football life, so that when you're on the field, you're 100 percent there. Um, get get your life organized so that you don't have to, you know, you know when it's time for homework and when it's time for film study and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, having been through it several years prior, it's kind of a routine at this point. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll uh, be good to have a few more fans at the home games. So that'll be fun. <laughs> Certainly helps. So what's on your class load this fall? All right. Uh, so I'm taking uh, one. Je uh, pre-modern Japanese class, one Japanese literature class, um, a South African history class, and potentially a computer science class. Hmm. All right, that's, that's a very, I like that, I like the very load here. Let's talk about Notre Dame and, and the task ahead in South Bend on Saturday. Uh, how, in, in a way, was the experience last week going on the road, mm -hmm. wild environment, high stakes in a sense was that experience last week a perhaps a, a potentially a perfect dress rehearsal for what you could face in South Bend this week yeah absolutely I mean it's it's always good to play those high pressure games at you know an opposing team stadium and we got you know Oregon Notre Dame Washington all in a row very tough environments to play in so it's good to have one under our belt um, and really glad we could pull away a win there just got to do it again this week. Yeah, overall, as we wrap this up here, what are your overall keys to victory? What's Stanford going to have to do, you know, drama or not, <laughs> to pull up the win yeah. against the uh, Fighting Irish on Saturday? Right. Uh, so anytime you're on the road, communication is a huge deal. Um, you know, you got to keep working our silent count, uh, make sure the communication's clean among the line and, you know, between the quarterback and the line. Uh, and then we really need to improve our run game. Still, it's just, it's almost there, but we just need to clean up some things. And hopefully that's this week's the week. Looking forward to see how it all shakes out. From St. Augustine, Florida, Jesse Burkett on the TreeCast. Jesse, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Best of luck this Saturday against the Irish and the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Good stuff with Jesse Burkett. Really appreciate him taking the time to uh, chat with the show before the team left the South Bend. And, and congratulations to Jesse, as it also came out earlier this week. And he is a semifinalist for the William V. Campbell Trophy that goes to the best football scholar athlete in the nation. So congratulations again to Jesse. And you heard what's on his plate from an academic standpoint uh, this upcoming fall. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. it. It's not just the quarterback that has a lot of information to process in a very short amount of time particularly the amount of time between the time you break the huddle and the time you actually snap the ball, because that's where quarterbacking really happens in the NFL, and that's where quarterbacking really happens in David Shaw and Stanford's offensive system. Same goes for the center in this offensive scheme. There's a lot of information, and Jesse Burkett, who David Shaw has previously said is, is super smart, well-equipped to handle those duties. So our appreciation and our thanks again to uh, Jesse Burkett for joining us here on the TreeCast. A um, couple other quick thoughts before we, before we wrap things up here. I remember about 
what was it, 15 years ago or so, when Stanford fans are pretty, I'm not sure if it was the majority of them or not, but it was certainly a vocal contingent. But a lot of the Stanford fans seem to be begging and pleading for Notre Dame to be taken off the schedule. I haven't heard much of that lately, specifically over the last 10 years. I haven't heard much of that. Now, yes, 15 years ago was a much, much, much different time for Stanford football in so many ways. And perhaps this is just another way to mark just how different things have become for the Cardinal football program. No one wanted to play Notre Dame anymore. It seemed like it was so one-sided and not just on the field either. They were dictating Stanford's schedule, forcing them to play Thanksgiving week after, after Cal was done, all those sorts of things, all those sorts of complaints. And even back then, I was like, look, why? Why? Why would you get rid of that? Number one, from a recruiting standpoint, Stanford needs the Midwest to maintain that. And what better way to maintain that than to have matchups against Notre Dame and number two, it's no, nothing bad happens when you beat Notre Dame. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing bad happens. And I would rather Stanford have that opportunity. I said that 15 years ago, and I'm still saying it now, even though the clamor to remove Notre Dame from the schedule has quieted down to next to nothing, if not absolutely nothing. So I find that interesting. So admit it. You're glad that that, that no one took matters into their own hands and removed Notre Dame from the schedule now, right? <laughs> Admit it. You're glad this game is still on the schedule. Had to get that off my chest. Number two, if you, by chance, are making the road trip to Notre Dame, and if you've never been to South Bend before, consider yourself lucky because that's a special place on college football game day. That is a special, special place. I don't know what that campus is like the other 358, 359 days out of the year, but South Bend on game day, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. It's, it's almost impossible. The atmosphere, the ceremony, the, the way the fans are, and they're nice, to, they're nice to the road fans. I've had good experiences with, with Notre Dame fans in South Bend. Now, you have your idiots. You have them in every fan base. And there might be a few more quantity-wise when you talk about Notre Dame fans. But overall, by and large, grand scheme of things, you know, Notre Dame fans are super glad that you are on their campus and that they want you to have a good time until your team takes the field. Then after that, it's on. But you see the Golden Domes, you hang out with the band, you head to the grotto, you, 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 you walk into the chapel, and you see all the things. You see people tailgating everywhere, everywhere, on campus, everywhere. Parking lots, quads, doesn't matter. People are out there enjoying themselves and having a good time, every single nook and cranny of that campus. And that stadium, that stadium, that stadium is special, man. I've been honored to have made the road trip to South Bend many times. Wish I could have gone this year, but hey, I'm fine with being on Pac-12 Network soccer duty on Sunday. I am more than fine with that. But if you've never been to South Bend and you're making the roadie this year, 
Consider yourself lucky. Take it all in, drink it all in. Because whether some folks like to admit it or not, Notre Dame is college football. And that game day, that campus is game day at its very best. At its very best. Notre Dame respects the product. The fans, by and large, respect the product. It's not just, you know, I'm sure game day at LSU in Baton Rouge is a great experience too, but I'm not quite sure I have the liver <laughs> to handle that anymore. I'm sure it's a whole different deal, an entirely different situation and setup in Baton Rouge. So I'm sure that they do it like no one else does as well, but this is different. This is different. You love college football, you've got to find the way to make the road trip to South Bend, especially if your team is playing there. So congratulations to those of you who are making the road trip. Wish I could be there with you. Enjoy it. Drink it in. And it also becomes quite nice when you're walking out of there after a Stanford win. A couple quick keys to the game, from my mind, from Stanford's perspective. Number one, and I hinted at this earlier in the show, and Jesse Burkett and I talked about this as well, uh, overall offensive line improvement needs to keep going. We, we saw better offensive line play from Stanford against Oregon overall. That needs to continue to increase, especially on the road, and, and, and not just from an X's and O's standpoint. Communication, critical, critical. Everyone has to be on point. A lot of that's on Burkett. It's interesting hearing him go through the process of sometimes in loud situations, he passes on the plays and passes on the protection schemes uh, to the guards, and they pass them on to the tackles. So it's just communication up and down the line. Communication, blocking, all those things have to continue to go upward to keep K.J. Costello upright so he can find J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. By the way, um, is, is he the front runner for national awards for Stanford this year? I mean, Bryce Love has kind of cooled off, obviously. So, should we start thinking about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for the Bolitnikoff Award? But the offensive line needs to start continuing to improve to keep K.J. upright so he can find those big-time passing targets and open things up in the running game as well. Running game, running, uh, running, uh, run blocking and passing, uh, pass blocking improvement at a premium once again for Stanford this week from the offensive line. That's key number one. Uh, key, key number two, Ian Book, a better passer than Brandon Wimbush was for Notre Dame at the quarterback position. However, Stanford's got to find a way to get after him. Got to find a way. And I, I pressure isn't necessarily Stanford's forte, rushing the passer, even though Bobby Okariki has had some moments. Uh, Joey Alfieri has had moments, too. Would be nice to have Casey Tuhill back, but that's not going to happen. As he was certainly very effective uh, in, that, uh, in that endeavor. And there are times, though, there are times when Lance Anderson dials up the most diabolical blitzes you've ever seen. There was stuff he was throwing at Mitch Trubisky in the Sun Bowl. I was making noises as those blitzes were unfolding. Some of the most amazing stuff I'd ever seen Lance Anderson do in that Sun Bowl against Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky, Book, 
similar styles of quarterback? I, I, I'm not, I haven't seen enough of Book to go quite that far, but it wouldn't surprise me if perhaps you saw some of the more diabolical things and some more kitchen sink type stuff thrown at Ian Book as a result. Not a lot of tape on Book, but at the same time, you know what? Book probably hasn't seen a lot of things from under center either. So Lance Anderson, as terrific as he is as a defensive coordinator, I suspect, I suspect that he might have a couple of extra things up his sleeve this week for Ian Book and the Notre Dame offense. I just suspect that. And number three, the uh, Jesse Burkett principle, get settled sooner. <laughs> get settled sooner. What was it that... Uh, uh, that uh, the cameras, uh, the ESPN cameras caught uh, uh, Jesse Burkett t- uh, uh, telling J- uh, KJ Costello as they were walking off the field at Oregon. And KJ said, uh, we, it was just a matter of us getting settled. And Jason said, yeah, we just got to do it sooner. Stanford offensively has to follow the Jesse Burkett principle. Get off to faster starts. Get off to quicker starts. Especially on the road. Those are my three keys. Would love to hear yours. Hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast. And by the way, very quickly, one more, one more quick thing. Uh, GoStanford.com did an amazing feature on their Football Insider uh, on emotions at Oregon, then and now, then being 2012, and obviously that result, Stanford beating Oregon uh, in Eugene in overtime that day in 2012. And, uh, and, and now, with what they did last week. And they went back and they interviewed, they got quotes from a lot of folks uh, who were on that 2012 team for Stanford. Uh, Kevin Hogan, Blake Martinez, Trent Murphy, A.J. Tarpley, Sam Schwartzstein, Shane Scove. Uh, they, and the quotes, the quotes that they got from those young men and others, very illuminating, I thought, into the window of intellectual brutality. Go seek it out at GoStanford.com. A fantastic job. It's on the Stanford Football Insider uh, portion of the GoStanford.com website. Emotions at Oregon, then and now. Check it out. Check it out. It, it, it's, it was an amazing, amazing piece. Should be an amazing, amazing game. Hopefully facts win out over hype. They tend to do so in football. You know, well, Ronnie Lott said that years ago. In football, the truth comes out. <laughs> the truth tends to come out. And I'm looking forward to seeing the sorts of things that Stanford can try to do to go 5-0. 5-0. Get off to that 5-0 start and head into October in a very, very nice position. That puts the wraps on the TreeCast for this go-around. Thanks again to our guest, Jesse Burkett, Stanford Center, William V. Campbell Trophy Award semifinalist, an all-around good dude, it seems. And also thanks most of all to you for checking us out on the TreeCast. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Send me a shout out, hashtag TreeCast. And best of all, biggest of all, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And spread the word around about the program. No, no one else, to my knowledge anyway, does what this podcast does. And if you're a Stanford football fan, would certainly appreciate the word of mouth from that standpoint. So tell a friend, tell a Stanford fan, tell everybody, tell tell your grandma about it too, if you don't. 
Thanks again for joining us. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. We want to see you here for the next go around on the TreeCast, which will likely be again uh, on Tuesday of next week. See you then. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clarence.